0: Good morning, everybody. Today, Shem will be learning Avchaf Beis in Maseches Sota. A little bit of scheduling thing. There's a big Tova Dickstein's marrying Zachary Shear tomorrow. That means Andrew and I are going to be related, basically, because uh, I'm related to the Kalim in the same way that Andrew's wingman, Stui Shabbos, is related to the Chassan. Same exact way. It's my wife's brother's kid. Uh, and... Uh, so I don't know tomorrow's Rosh Chodesh. So happy uh, Rosh Chodesh in advance. And next week, Monday, I'm in New York, for better or for worse. But by Tuesday, so tomorrow we're finishing this third parak of Sota. Tuesday, this Daf Chavzayim, will be finishing the um, fourth parak of Sota and beginning the fifth. So B'zachem. Much to look forward to. Bezat Shem will resume on Tuesday. Andrew is going to be away, so bon voyage to Andrew. For gezunt and kum we should continue to learn together in good health. Now, this, uh, I'm trying not to get too excited. Four lines up from the wide, okay? We're going to start talking about the Echi Dummy Russia, Arum. Big shout out to, okay, so the entire Dickstein family, my wife's family, has descended upon Baltimore again. And uh, so there was talk, there was talk. Miriam Zuroff is my wife's older sister from Detroit, always trying to do the right thing. And she asked what I think is a very good question. Andrew, you're in charge of kosher money. I wanna ask you, um, credits card schemes, dance deals, um, sports betting uh, incentives where technically they're trying to incentivize you to, um, to to do sports betting by giving you an incentive where you get like a thousand dollars straight up if you do your first place your first bet but for every state it happens so you know they have these guys who will take you know 30 people's phones and fly out to some, to some place where there's new states and then they'll start their place their first bet for them and nobody's placing the bet it's a whole it's gaming the system okay? Basically, they game the system and you make money in sports betting. Even though you're not betting, it doesn't matter what you bet. and You make a little money. It's not what the system was made for. Not necessarily what the credit cards were made for. And I, uh, when we got into the discussion with Miriam Zorf, is this within the Torah? In other words, some people, is this a Torah value? Some people would think, wait a minute, this is found money. Right? All of these gaming, system, gaming the systems with credit card cards schemes and uh, sports betting schemes. If you have a way to game the system legally, that's like Hashem giving you a gift. It would be disrespectful to not take him up on that offer. Others might say this is not just novel Bershus HaTorah, but maybe you could say that this is a scenario where even though it's legal, technically, if people were to find out about it, then if like... Wouldn't it be a Chil Hashem, or would it be a Chil Hashem? I don't know. So Miriam Zorof and I crafted a letter to Rabbi Breidowitz Shlita. Everybody has to listen to Rabbi Breidowitz's question and answer podcast. He was our he's our the rabbi of uh, my wife and Miriam's shul growing up, and we're very close. Uh, we want to know the answer. What what does he feel? Does he feel it falls into this category of Russia Arum, Echidama Russia Arum, where? Uh, it's where it's the kind of thing where we said yesterday, the first case we said yesterday. Uh, uh, well, the first case is Amar Za'amatim Kodim Baldin Chavero, right? A person, it's subtle, right? You're talking to the judge prior. So that's really not so legal. Uh, the Mefarshim asked, How does the judge know? Uh, isn't the judge not allowed to talk to you? So it must be that you know the litigant knows that who the judge is. The judge doesn't yet know that he's going to be judging the case, and so they just get into you know a conversation, and you're planting little seeds, right? It's not technically so illegal, but in fact, uh, you're planting seeds in order to change the outcome of a, of a case. That's that was a the first example of Russia Aram. Second example of Rabbi Baal Merazanos and Dina Laani Lashon Zuz. Right again. This is technically right. I mean, technically it works because after all, like this, as the, as the Mishnah that we read in Paya discusses, we know that Aniyim, we take care of our Aniyim. They are entitled to Leket shikhan Paya and all, the, all of those uh, things. But if you have an Ani, they're defined as somebody who has less than Matayim Zuz to his name. So if they have Matayim Zuz, short, whatever, a quarter. So the fact of the matter is, if you wanted to, let's say it was perm, you want to be Yotze Matanis Levionim, you give him $1,000. It's not like the fir- only the first quarter counts as Matanis Levionim, and then since it, that quarter put him past the threshold of 200 zuz, the rest of it isn't Matanis Levionim. The whole amount counts as Matanis Levionim. That's what the Mishnah tells you, right? You can give him $1,000, and you've given an Ani $1,000, even if you're a brisker, and you need to make sure to have a proper Ani, right, in order to give the Matanis Levionim. Even a brisker would agree that the whole, the entire thousand dollars goes to right that that honey and counts as tzadka to the honey. But a Russia arum is going to be the one that gives him the quarter first, just to get him to that threshold of matayim. The then he's no longer an honey and he's off the hook. He doesn't have to give him luck at and tzadka. Okay. So again, technically, he's within his rights. So that's what we wanted to ask Robert Breitowitz. Is is this an example um, of uh, what is the Torah Hashkafa in his opinion with regards to this? This is what I call um, the the opposite of Mitch Album's book, The Five People You Meet in Heaven. These are the people you don't meet in heaven. Now, I think the reason why it's here, just as a final note of introduction, I don't know this for a fact, but this, these are the statements of Yeshua. Uh, well, maybe it's a... Don't judge a book by its cover, kind of theme, right? Because we said that the sota may may have schuyos also, uh, and the sota sometimes you don't know, right? We're really judging her just by putting her through the procedure, but she may in fact be innocent. So sometimes the opposite can be true, uh, where you, somebody is seems like a chassid, but it's a chassid it Seems like a tzaddik, it's the other way around, or maybe it could be the fact that. Um, we brought up the idea of it being like an arum that uh, maybe it's following up on the theme that if you learn so much, sometimes being too smart, right, being too clever uh, gets people in trouble. Uh, you're supposed to be tomim ti y'ma al You're supposed to have a certain sense of tzmimus uh, with regards to avodas Hashem. But enough soapbox, Andrew. I apologize. Got a little excited by these gemaras because this is kind of like all Geronowitz, Muser, Mom, and Hashkafa, uh, it's interesting. Hopefully, Rabbi Braden will help guide us in terms of teaching us how to apply it to life in the best proper way. We we'll be all bezoche to walk in the ways of Hashem in the best proper way. Okay, so let's just read it inside now. The Tanan. What's the idea of Rabbi Boomer? Dina Laani The Tanan. Right? If, a, if a person has time zuz, he's no longer classified as an ani, and therefore he can He's not entitled. He's not eligible for like or ma'aser ani. Right, he's not considered an ani. Hayala uh, Saim chaser dinar. If he had two hundred zuz minus a little bit a dinar, right, you could give him even as we just said, uh, you can give him a thousand dollars, and all thousand dollars is considered stuck aniim. Right? Uh, however, right? He, with that, what's implied is that if all you do is give him the dinar in order to give him the, the 200 zones, now you've no longer made him eligible for all those things. That's the second example of a Russia Arum. Guy's really clever. Is he really uh, a tadak, though? Not so much. Third example. Yeah, this is really another example. Imagine a guy. Uh, passes away with meager, right, assets. The estate isn't a lot, Andrew. All right, so the, he has sons, he has daughters. We've already seen this, right, the Ksubas, uh, in the Ksubas Gemaras, who gets supported, right? Because it's written out in the Ksuba, when people get married, they say, you know, I'll support your children, I'll support. Okay, now, in this particular case, the halacha is, the estate, how does it work with uh, Nahla with inheritance? The sons technically are inheriting. However, the sons have a responsibility, as we've already said, to support the almana, to support the daughters. Okay, so technically the sons inherit the estate. But if it's such a meager estate that it's not enough to support uh, everybody. So then the sons have an obligation to support the daughters with it. Really, before you get the daughters right off into the streets. You're supposed to really prioritize and give the daughters first. If you're one of the sons, give it to your sister, and you go hustle for Stucker or go hustle and get a job, right? That's what you're supposed to do. However, they don't want to do that. They want to keep the money for themselves. They'd rather not go get a job. And so a uh, friend of theirs, or like they have a, an attorney friend who says, you know, technically, a really clever person tells them, you know, technically, if you sold those assets, then the proceeds of those assets. The daughters are not entitled to, so it is true that the halacha protects right the daughters by saying that the sons have to support them, but the halacha doesn't go so far as to say that if the son sold the assets, that those proceeds go to the daughters. So there you have a loophole, right? The sons can simply sell the assets. So person, the person, so who who do we uh, who do we give the credit for this right for this advice to the person who gave the advice? Right, we tell, we call him the Rasha Arum, the person who gives the advice. Lim ben Chasim Atim. He gives the brothers the advice to sell their, uh right? To sell their inheritance in order to not have to support their sisters. That is within the halacha, but it is not within the spirit of the law. And it is that person that is referred to a Rasha Arum. So that's what it means when it says Mesei Eitzah Limkor Ben Chasim Atim. Uh, this is where he said, right? That's Allah. That when you have these orphans, that uh, you have the sons and the daughters, if they went ahead, kadmu makru, and they managed, kadmu here means that they managed to sell it off before the daughters got a chance to go to Bezdin and, as Rashi explains, and request the support, then. Whatever they sold, Mashemakru, it's already sold. You don't go back to the lakuchos, as it were, right? You don't go back and get those assets. Those assets are gone. It's technically within the law, but it's mean, right? And it's also disingenuous and it's also deliberate. I think that's that, that, that's right. This is a little bit more evil than uh, than a person who just you know says, "Oh, the flesh is weak" and has a taiva. This is a, this is evil because so deliberate. Um, and so we move on to the fourth example. What's another example of Rasha Arum? Person, again, it's the guy who gives this advice, who thinks this is a good idea. I don't want to say Dan's deals because uh, that's, uh, first of all, very specific. And secondly, I haven't gotten a response back from Reverend Breitowitz. But the uh, Tanya, a person says like this, a person wants to write a will. And so here's in Yerusha. It says like this: Yankel, you're going to get my inheritance. And by the way, when Yankel dies, Shmerel going to get the inheritance after him. So clearly, the intention of the person who is bequeathing the will was that one person is going to get his inheritance, and then if he dies, he wants the next person to get in his inheritance. However, it is technically true, according to Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel, that Yankel, who's the first right uh, inheritor. Has the right to sell it, technically, it's his. Right? So before he dies, he can get rid of it, and Shmerel will never get it. Well, that works according to Hashim Let's see it inside. The Tanya. The A person says, first is gonna get my inheritance, and then if he dies, Shmerel will get it. The Yorat, and Yankel, who's the first inheritor, goes down and sells it and consumes all the money. According to the Tanakama, the second person, Shmerel, can in fact go back and say, listen. Uh, that's mine, because I'm supposed to. I know that. I know that Yankel sold it, but it's really I was the next in line for the inheritance, so give it to me. That's Divrei Rebbe. That's Tanakam. That Shmeril only can actually get inherit what Yankel leaves over. Which is to say, if Yankel sells anything, Shmeril gets nothing. So you get this guy, this consultant, if you will. Uh, and he says, Oh, no, perfect idea. Go sell the first inheritance, Yankel. And if you sell it, so then uh, Shmeril will get none of it. Okay, that person who gives that advice is again considered a Russia arm. A fifth example Rabbi Yosef two lines up from the bottom from base. Soon will get the A person, this is like a cult leader, right? He induces other people to go on his own way, for his ego, or because he's, uh, right, because he's got some sort of psychological disorder, right, so he's trying to get people to do everything like him for his own reasons, having nothing to do with the Vodas Hashem, okay, that is like a cult leader. Sixth possibility, Rebizreka, Marvuna, Zehameikel le'atma mahmer lacher. You can see how that's disingenuous. Person person's considered a big tabachacham, he knows how to be, give everyone an Chumros. But on himself, he's makele. So again, these are people who are not Lashem Shemaim, Barry. They're disingenuous. And, uh, you know, it's not for us to judge people at all or to call people out. But we see that this is, right, these are people who ruin the world, according to Rabbi Yeshua. And it's because it's disingenuous. There's two aspects to it. First of all, if people hold you up in high esteem, and high regard, and then turns out that you're corrupt on the inside. So that can actually, right, really... Become very deflating for people when they when 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 that gets exposed. So that's it's a big of Hashem. That's one thing, and that's from the perspective of the public. And from perspective of the person themselves, obviously it shows that there's sort of like a rotten at the core, right? That this is a, a situation where it's dis- disingenuous. It's not l'shem shemaim, and not only that, as we said, it's very cunning and deliberate. This is not just like falling to taivas. This is. More deliberate than that, this is actual, something's wrong with the actual hashkafa as far as, right, being disingenuous with regards to the Hashem. That is the case of The seventh and final one, Ula Amar, Zeh, as we find in the Bible, at the still manageable time, 5.53 a.m. Zeh shakara of eloshimish ishtamideh chachamim. This, you could talk about this for days, as Rabbi Safar Shlita. Talks about the Shemush, the importance of Shemush Tamidah Chachamim. Rashi says, "Lo Shemush Tamidah Chachamim means that you didn't go deep into Iyun. right? The little mod Svara Sagamara. Uh, that you, Karavashana means that you studied, right? Uh, Mikra and you studied Mishnah, but you didn't, you weren't Mishamish Tamidah Chachamim. So that can mean that you, right, you studied Mikra and Mishnah on your own, but you don't go to shir, You don't have a Rebbe. I think it's all intertwined. So some will say, Rabbi Libra it's a great Tafiyomi master, gives three different pshatim, including Rashi and Tosfus Mishans. But the point is basically, can also mean that you basically don't have a Rebbe, right? If you don't have a Rebbe and you don't have any guidance, so then why is that deliberate though? So Rashi is going to say, he has a little bit of arichos here actually, he basically says, it's it's because you don't respect, right? You don't respect. You, you think that you're so smart, right, that you can figure everything out on your own and you don't need any guidance and you don't have any really humility, right? You don't have the humility required to do the right thing by asking a rav and trying to go in the proper derech. It's really a sort of disrespect where you think you're great and you don't have to listen to anyone else. That's more or less uh, how it fits into this, right, list of Rasha Arum, okay? Now, along those lines, itmar says the Gemara. A person who learns Mek Mishra and is not Mishra and is not Mishra. aretz Lord is going to call him an ama aretz As we'll see, there's many uh, examples that our Gemara will give of what qualifies someone as an ama aretz So hold on on that definition. As Rashi says, a Boor is worse, as we'll see in the Gemara. An ama aretz doesn't know a lot of Torah, but at least he has good Midos. A Boor is really uh, like a Neanderthal, as we'll see. So this is wild, right? What do you mean, hareze kusi? Isn't kusi like an actual like nationality? We know that the kusim were a nation that were disingenuous gehrim. We've come across the, this crew a bunch of times. So the answer, so Rashi explains that kusi, as Rashi says, you treat him like a kusi, that a person who is kare v'shanu is is not trustworthy. In other words, he doesn't have a Rebbe, right? As Rashi says, Rashi says it's straight out. You see that, Barry? That he says, because he doesn't have a Rebbe, he's not Makbid. He doesn't have any respect for the opinion and the halachas and the, right, Hajracha of Chachamim. He's only learning. That's why he's on this disingenuous list. He wants people to think that he's a big tzaddik and a big tzaddik And that's the only reason he's learning, so he could show off um, at the shulk uh, dinner what a big tzaddik and chacham he is. But he doesn't care about the lacha, and therefore you treat him like a kusi. Halachically, you treat him in the same untrustworthy, disingenuous gear way that you can't break bread with him because who knows whether he cares about kashrus or anything. He's just trying to look like something, but he's not. Okay? Rav Achabar Yaakov Amir is a Magosh. This is uh, Magosh. We saw this, I think it was Shabbos or Erevin, I don't know. Birnbaum was really into the Magosh, it's like a sorcerer, okay. Now Rashi says, I think it's a fascinating language here. He, he captures the minds and hearts and eyes of people. Wow. Right, so again, he's a, he's a shyster, right? This is just like a lot of charisma, not a lot of integrity, okay? Now, Amr Av Nachman B'Yitzchak, Mestav R'Korvach Yaakov. V'Nachman B'Yitzchak thinks it makes the most sense in, uh, that Akarev Shon R'Lashim Mesh Tamid HaChachamim amounts to the Ravach Ha'V'Yakov, the, the sorcerer guy. Why? The Amri Inchi? because there's a popular, right, uh, urban legend or whatever saying that says, V'Ratin Magosha V'lo Mai Amar. That the sorcerer, the Magosha, utters uh, all kinds of incantations but he doesn't know what he's saying. So too, a person who just says over a lot of Mishnahis, he says, oh, this is a quote from here, this is a quote from here, but has no guidance from a Rebbe, he doesn't really know what he's saying. right? He's just saying things, but it doesn't really mean anything because there's no, right, there's no actual authority and no Rebbe guiding. And so it sounds good, but it's not, in fact, real uh, Torah that you can get any uh, inspiration from because it's disingenuous. Interesting, okay, so um, it's funny, right? It's reasonable to say that Rebach is the right thing because that's what became known as, that, that became known as the urban, that's the saying. Like, okay, the, as the saying goes, we agree that the sorcerer is a thing. The bottom line is all of these look like one thing, but it's not really that. Okay, Tana Rabanin, let's go. Ezu Amaaretz, how do you define Amaaretz? So a lot of definitions. So one uh, possibility is a person who doesn't know to say Shema in the evening, in the morning, or he knows, but he doesn't do it. Okay? It's, it's an ignorance thing. Okay? Well, you never even heard of Kriya Shema. Okay? Uh, that's Diver Rebbe Meir. So Tosfus here, <laughs> Diver Rebbe Meir points out that Rebbe Meir himself, elsewhere in Brachos, Defines it differently. He defines it. Culture, and so, Tosus basically answers, yeah, the, right? that there are many different forms and definitions of Amaretz. This is just like one of the definitions. So when you find the term Amaretz, it doesn't necessarily mean just one thing. In Shas, it can mean different things. Even Rabbi Meir will, refer, will define it in different ways, in different contexts. Be that as it may, here he defines it as a person who doesn't know Shacharis, uh, doesn't know uh, back in the Gemara person doesn't wear a tefillin uh, Ben Azai says person doesn't wear a tzitzis, is is uh, in the Mefarshim. Uh different ways of explaining it. it could be either that you don't wear the beged at all or worse to wear the beged without the tzitzitz that's already a real violation uh, of a mitzvah say to not wear the beged at all is, is less of an, of a, of an issue but it is, uh, so okay, so that's discussed. But either way, that's considered an opportunity, at least, to do a mitzvah that you don't do. So even within that uh, explanation, that's an Amaretz. A person has sons, has an opportunity to teach their sons, but it does not teach them, give them a Torah education. And then, Acherem say that, again, this is the idea. Zehu Amaretz, a person who, learns Mikra and Mishnah, but it's not Mishnah, as is the example in our, right, in our Gemara. Kara eloshana, and then it says, however, if he read Mikra but didn't read Mishnah at all, hare So that's how it distinguishes, that the boor doesn't even learn Mishnah. Or doesn't, right? Lo kara eloshana. what if you do neither? You don't read Sukim and you don't read Mishnah's. Allah vekos of Omer vezerati is beis Yisrael vei Yehuda zera adam vezerah behema. Pasuk Yirmiyahu, well, if you don't study at all, then you should say that the seed of man and the seed of animal, in other words, then you're no different than animals. So we say, you know, Baruch Hashem, they distinguish us from the animals, that we have purpose, right? And we have direction. And we have a Kodesh Baruch Hu and we have the Torah. Without that, what really is the difference? You live, you die, you, you go to the earth and you just roam the earth aimlessly throughout your whole life. So that is how it is described when you're living life Without mikra or mishnah, no direction whatsoever. Rachmana leitzlan. Okay. Now back to people who are not masham sh'tami chachamim. There's a pasuk in Mishnah that says, Yira es Hashem bni vamelech im shonim altis arav." Fear, fear Hashem, my child, and the king. Don't mix with the shonim. What are these shonim? Shonim. What's the lashon shonim? Are yitzchak elu shonim halachos? Right. Person who study halachas without. So you have to add here without being masham sh'tami chachamim. In other words. You don't want to mess with those people, im shonim al don't mix with people who only learn but don't, uh, but don't actually, in other words, only learn halachos, right, but don't actually have any guidance from a Rebbe. So the Gemara says, Peshitta, it's obvious. What else could shonim mean? So it says, wait a minute, the word shonim can mean something else. I would say, shonim bechet, shonim can mean repeat, right? Like Mishnah really means repeating, that's what Rash says. So. R- repetition. So repetition could either mean Mishnah, like in the sense of what we call mishnayus or learning, or it could mean repetition of sin. Like Ravuna famously says, once you repeat an Avera, it becomes Mutala. As Rashi explains, not that it becomes mutter, but it's the perception of the person who's doing the Avera, right? He starts to think of it as being mutter, or He becomes habituated. Kamash Malan. So anyways, shonim could mean Habitual via, uh, offenders, uh, and it is for that reason that we have to learn that we, that's not what we're referring to here, but rather referring to people who learn without guidance. Good. olam. Okay, so further on this theme, Tanaim here doesn't mean like Rabbi Akiva, it means people who learn only Mishnah. They're Mevale Olam, that's the same Lashon as the Rabbi Shua says, they just, they're the ones that destroy the world. Mevale Olam, Salkataitach, Wait, how do they destroy the world? Yeah, what we mean is, they learn a little bit, they don't really know the halacha, and they only learn the mishnah, and all of a sudden they're paskining. Well, that's just erroneous paskining. You can't do that. That's not how halacha is developed. You have to read Rabbi Walter's book on how, uh, right, a bill becomes, uh, how a, right, uh, mishnah becomes a halacha. Okay, so Tanya Rabbi Walter Schlita, wrote about the making of a mensch Also, he is qualified to write about that. Tanya, I am a Rabbi but still, so uh, this is what ruining the world, learning Mishnah We said that those people are the best. They are the settlers of the world because we said this is the world. The ways of the world are his. So again, a definition. Halichos olam lo is from uh, famous Pasuk Andrew. You'll recognize it from Chabakuk. A third parak, Halichos is read like Halachos, as we've said in the Gemara, Megillah Ches. right? Halichos is Halachos. So you see, if you learn Mishnayis, and then, right, so that a person who studies Mishnayis, that's a great thing, right? The world is maintained through that. Halichos Olamlo. They're actually holding up the world. So this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. But more in Halacha, if you're issuing a Halachic, right, Sock off of it. You should, really should not do that. You should learn Mishnayis before davening. After davening, you should have a Mishnah seder for sure. Yedius, yes, but halacha from that, no. Okay, nineteen lines up from the bottom. Two dots. Isha prusha. Tanur banim. Besulat slayonis. shavavis. Vekatvishalakoladul chadashav. So what are these? Besulat slayonis is like a um, the single girls that you see davening at a uh, at a chuppah, right? So fervently, uh, or the single girls davening. Almano shavavis is a very friendly widow. The is Katan is a Katan, right, whose months are not complete. We'll see what that means. So Rashi is going to explain. Uh, Rashi has to explain right away, even though the Gemara is going to explain it, that these are also, it's a disingenuous, it's not what it looks like, right? The single girl looks like she's dominating. Maybe it's disingenuous, maybe it's not. We will see. The Gemara is going to say that it depends on the context. Sometimes it's exactly what it looks like, and it's a truly pious, uh, besula and Almana? Sometimes not. So, what's the case? Aini. Is that really so that these are bad people? They ruin the world? Rabbi Yochanan himself, the great God Al Nairat Asrallah, has pointed out that the single girls who down so beautifully could teach you the fear of sin or what, receive, what, what receipt of schar is from an Almana. For example, Rabbi Yochanan says, Yirash Khayt me besula as follows. Learning years Shemayim from the Rabbi Yochanan Sham Allah He Basula. Rabbi Yochanan had heard, or he overheard, a certain single girl, the Nafla up of a camera. She's davening so hard. I mean, he sees her davening and he's inspired. She's saying, "Rabbi Barasa Gan Vrasa Gehenim, I know that there's a heaven and a hell. Barasa Tadikim, Vrasa Reshaim, and I know that there's Tadikim Reshaim. Yehi Rotzim fonechas Shalaykashlu Bib And she's davening because she knows she's pretty and she doesn't want other men to see her and to become, right, stumble into sin because of the vision of her. And she's davening, see what this is, Andrew? She's not just davening for her own, she's davening for other people's, think of how selfless that is. So Rabbi Yochanan was very inspired. What's the case of an almana that's inspiring? There's an almana uh, in a certain neighborhood. And she had a shul in her own neighborhood. However, Right, she lived in Silver Spring. But every day she would come to Shari Zion in Baltimore. So said to her, Biti So Rabbi Rose said, with all due respect, there's a Rabbi Walter's shul in Silver Spring. Why aren't you there? She said, But Rabbi, what about the schaar halicha? I like to travel extra. This is the real idea. Going to a further shul. Andrew, you should be coming to Shamray. I should be coming here. Um, so that is, Sechar HaLicha is a real thing and that inspired Rabbi Yochanan, okay. So the Gemara says, so, so what is it then? Are these, are these almanos and single girls inspiring or are they the opposite? So the Gemara says, Ki could go on Yochani Barativi. Yeah, when they say they ruin the world, it means a woman such as Yochani Barativi. She's being singled out. Rashi says, "Almana mechashefa, she was a mechashefa, Andrew. That she was bad. And, and, and that's it, that's all it says in the Gemara, right? She fills in the story. She was disingenuous in the sense that uh, one place where I lived um, there was always, there was a rash of um, people taking bats to people's cars windows and smashing them. And then it was discovered that uh, the local place that replaces car glass windows was uh, sending out guys to smash everybody's windows in order to generate business. So that's what this woman essentially was doing. She was uh, giving women somehow uh, labor issues, problem with the labor, and she says, oh, un- unbeknownst to them, and says, oh, I'll daven for you, I'll daven for you, and then healing them, unbeknownst to them, right? So she gave them the problem, she gave them the solution, and she made it seem like all of her davening was what was driving it. In the meantime, it wasn't driving any of it. Uh, she was actually doing it on her own, generating business, making a whole tumult, that certainly is disingenuous, horrible behavior. People suffering because of you and playing with people's minds and hearts. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Okay, that's what he was talking about. Okay. I mean, it is weird that that, okay, so that's what you mean and then therefore you say almanas. Okay, and you're referring to a specific kind of person. Again, a general overarching idea. Sincere people, authentic people, uh, who are Yerushalayim, good. Everything else is disingenuous with other people uh, who getting hurt along the way, clearly not good. Okay, my katon shalokatu lo kalu lo What was the case of the katon lo Khadash? So hacha targimu, here in Bavel they said, ze tamid chacham be berevosav. Yeah, tamid chacham, who's actually obnoxious and rebellious and doesn't listen to his teachers, which is to say, lo kalu lo he's like immature. Right, he's like a half-baked egg. Rabbi Abba, amar ze tamid shalagil arom Or a guy who gets let out of the smicha program without knowing anything yet. So now he's off in right, Hudson Plutz, uh, being the Rav of the young Israel of Hudson Plutz, but like he's giving halacha, he doesn't know how to do Mechiyah's he doesn't know any of the halachas, but he's like acting like he does anyway. <laughs> the Pasuk in Mishle, where may, there have been many victims and mighty have been slain, <laughs> Many victims, is that's what happens when you have a lot of victims when you have the rubber of the Shul doesn't know anything and the unsuspecting congregants don't know the difference. They think they're selling their are but really it's, it's all in their possession all, all Pesach long because the Rav doesn't know. That's not good. And the mighty are all that has been slain. That's the Tamah himself, right? So basically there's victims, and the victims are just that. The congregants are the victims, and the perpetrator is the rabbi that doesn't know. Uh, turning to Chabbez Ahmed Bez, at the manageable, almost symbolic time of 6 11, Until what point should a young student wait before he can become the Rub of Ashul? Before he can be considered a halachic authority? Like, when do you graduate? Says the Gemara Ad Arbaim Shnin. 40 years old is the minimum. Aini, is that really true of our rabbi already? Right. We know Rabba was a major pose, And by definition, he passed him before he was 40, because in fact he passed away when he was 40. So, says the Gemara, B'shaven. As Rashi says, Okay, so Rashi explains it as somebody who doesn't, he's at the highest level. Once you've reached the highest level, so it's not really so much a function of age, but it's a function of knowledge. Okay. Umakos Purushim what are the wounds of the Prushim? The ruiners of the world are called Makos Prushim. What's this? Tanerbanon? Shiva prushin Hain. So there's a price that says there's four types of ascetics. Prushin are those who, right, dissociate. What are they dissociating from? So it's called the Parash Shichmi. We're going to define all these terms. Parash Shichmi, Parash Nakafi, Parash Kizai, Parash Meduchaya, Parash Machavasi Vesana, Parash Me'ahavan, Parash Me'ira. Okay, people who are ascetic for all of these reasons we're going to define what each one is individually so let's go into the Gemara continue and explain Parsh shichmi means like from the word shchem shchem so what's the amayse shchem a disingenuous circumcision Rashi explains not just that you're doing it like because you want to marry a Jewish girl it's because you're doing it for kavod and hanah right so you're again presenting yourself as one thing or another that's the underlying theme for all of this disingenuous unauthentic uh, people Parish Nakvi, what's a Nakvi means to knock. Zeham man kefes raglov, who knocks his feet and bumps into things. Why? Because he's like shuffling around. He's trying to give off the appearance of being humble. But he's not doing it for real. He's trying to look like he's humble. So he's got his head down and he's walking like a nebuch. But really, he's just putting on a show kizai, this is awesome, bloodletting a as Rashi explains, he's hitting his head against the wall and he's bumping into things on purpose. Barry, he's making a scene out of Shmir nine, meaning he's trying to say, I'm such a tzaddik, I don't look at women when I walk into shul, and, there's, and, and so he's falling on the stairs and bumping into the wall on purpose to make a scene about what a tzaddik he is. Okay, This is, again, if he's such a tzaddik, then okay, but if he's doing it just to let other people know what a tzaddik is, and obviously that's uh, disingenuous. Parsh Meduchia. Again, Amar Abshiloh Damashvaki He just bends his back. And again, he's like bending over to say, hello, 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 to show that he's a tzaddik. But really, he's just putting on a show. Parsh mechovasi vehesana, Very specific. What should I do? Hamal mal you say, the Gemara says, what do you mean? He's saying, what can I do? Tell me what I could do, and I'll do it. Says the Gemara, El Ad Amar Tu vehesana. He implies that he's done everything. And now you say, is there anything else that I could do for you, Hashem? Right? Like, um, the Birnbaum was laughing last night. It's like, you know, your wife uh, cooked uh, all of Yantav and you come home, right, from work. And you say, is there anything I could do? Like, <laughs> everything's been done, Barry. You're such a tzaddik. What? It's nice to say, but the implication that, that you're actually contributing is disingenuous, Andrew. Give me a break. Okay, so <laughs> so that's what this is. This is disingenuous. Like, yeah, okay, you, you, yeah. How about starting from square one and doing one thing? How about you do one thing? Oh, maybe you should buy the groceries now that I cooked everything, Andrew. Okay, parsh mi'ava, parsh yira. Okay, out of reward or out of fear. Wait a minute. To serve Hashem from Avon and yira is great. I'm going to obey the Rebbe the Lo Take that one out. Don't say that serving Hashem out of avon and Yira, because that's a good thing. So this is a fascinating idea. In other words, this whole time we're talking about disingenuous behavior. What about the idea that, right, we say in the name of Rav, that a person should do, perform Torah and mitzvahs even if it is disingenuous, so to speak, because it will habituate you to do Torah and mitzvahs and it will eventually turn into the Shema. After your Meissim, right, your heart will follow. So, it's different, right? In other words, if you're doing a disingenuous behavior and you're really putting on a show on purpose, that's not lowly, what we mean by lowly shema. That's a different thing. That's a disingenuous behavior that is uh, frowned upon. But here, we're talking about if you're doing Yiranava, so we say that already is considered lowly Shema. That's amazing. Your ulterior motive is that you love Hashem or that you love learning. Right, isn't that the highest level? How do you reconcile that? So, again, you're doing, so, so you have to, right, so as Barry points out, you really have to finesse this, right, because it is true, as Rashi says over here, uh, right, it is true. Where is it? Parash uh, me'ava, says Rashi, parash me'ava, me'ava schar ve'lo mitzvah is that the distinction, Barry? Barry's saying Ava is the highest level. So that's what Rashi has to say as Pshat, that it's not Ava's Hashem. It's the Ava's of the Schar. Okay, that's one way of saying it. So, in other words, right, you're motivated not because you love the fact that you're going to get rewarded, not necessarily because you love Hashem. You have to say something, right? So that's how Rashi says it's a Pshat definition. It's not pure Ava's Hashem. Year and Ava year is not used in the same context that we always. Usually do of year and ava Hashem, but year of of maybe retribution or ava of the right of the schar. So really, it's a reward and punishment. But even a reward and punishment, right, is considered like a lower level. But that's but that but ava here doesn't mean true love of Hashem, but uh, love of the reward. So okay, but mitok shalalishma b'alishma. Take that out because you know we can't be held to such a standard where we where we do it purely, purely, purely Hashem shemaim. Be'ezot Hashem, we will get there. But we can't assume that uh, that anything less than that is terrible, okay? Seven lines up from the Mishnah, Amar of Nachum um a statement about disingenuous people, the Mitamra, Mitamra. That Mitamra is like the tet is interchangeable to the Shin, right? Like Mishmar, hidden, right? That we don't see. But the Migalia, Migalia, that which is exposed is exposed. Be'edina Rabba, lispra me'hani d'chafagunde. But, when you get to Hashem, when you get to the great heavenly court, everything will be revealed. What's lit for mahani dachaf gundi? It'll punish those who wrap themselves in cloaks. In other words, in olam that we don't really know. Some things look like they are and some things not, right? That which is revealed is revealed. That which is not revealed is not revealed and we can't always know. When you get to Shemaim, all will be revealed and then we'll know who's who's authentic and who's not. Finally, before we get to the Mishnah, don't be afraid of Purshim, or those who are not Purushim, only the pretenders. In other words, you don't say, oh, this guy is too, too yeshivish, this guy is not yeshivish enough. Don't get wrapped up in the book's cover, but rather, uh, you should be concerned if you see that somebody is disingenuous, you should stay away. Right? They act like Zimri famously, right? Uh, but they think that they're acting like Pinchas. In other words, they're doing Averos, but they're passing themselves off as being big tzaddikim. You should be wary of these disingenuous people. Uh, Andrew, I have you in good shape because Arbari Leibwitz who I highly recommend for tomorrow's Shir starts at the Mishnah because that's where he left off. Rezat Hashem will be Zochah to finish this parak tomorrow. And then we resume with Tav Chav where we'll finish the next parak and, re- and resume with the next parak beyond that. Everybody have a good Shabbos.